Well, open your Bibles to the book of 2 John. We're headed in towards the end. Uh, not quite there, but uh, getting ter- towards the end of 2 John. Uh, you can kind of remember the, uh, the two main parts are verses 1 through 6 and 7 through 13. The message is truth matters in a world of lies. And the first part of the book or the short letter is truth matters to God's elect leaders and churches. But we're in the second part of the book, verses 7 through 13. Truth matters in a world of lies and liars. And we're learning to watch for counterfeits. Uh, You prove you abide in the truth by being inhospitable to error. We're really going to talk about that this morning. And love, love protects truth with one another. So this book has a lot to say about truth and love. And we're down here in verses 7 through 11. So we took a break. We didn't have Discovery Hour last week. We're here looking at this verses 7 through 11. Look out for the truth. We focused on truth's protection. Now, last time we met, we talked about how to resist false teaching. So here's the thing. If you're going to protect the truth, you've got to resist false teaching, and you've got to reject false teachers. And so last time we were here in verses 7 through 9, you can see them there in your Bible, we learned at least three things to do to resist false teaching. Be diligent to walk in the truth. The best defense is a strong offense. Be discerning of lies and liars. Know what to look for. And then be determined to stay alert. The real key verse for resisting false teaching is in verse 8. Look at that in your Bible. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Watch yourself. Be alert. Stay alert. So how do, you, how do God's elect people... Look out for the truth. There in your notes, we do two things. By protecting one another from false teaching and from false teachers. And uh, we saw that there's things at stake. Last week we saw, or two weeks ago we saw, two things are at stake. Rewards for uh, rewards are lost by true believers when we let false teaching into our church and into the lives of other people. And salvation is missed by false believers and by unbelievers. In other words, if we let a false gospel be propagated, we're, we're hurting lost people. The most unloving thing we could do is allow error to be spread because that affects the eternal destiny of people. Now, what we're going to do today is we're going to learn a little bit about how to reject false teachers from verses 10 through 11, and we're going to add one more thing that's at stake here, and we're going to see what that is. So, Open your Bibles there, and let's look at verses uh, uh, 9. Let's go read 9, 10, and 11 just to get us into the letter. Notice what he says. Well, we'll we'll begin with 8. Watch yourselves that you do not lose that what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you two warnings and three ways to reject or relate to false teachers. So here's the two warnings. Let's start with those. Two warnings in this passage about uh, relating, or rejecting, rather, false teachers. And the first warning is this. Anyone can be a false teacher. Anyone. Did you see the repeated word there in your text? Anyone in verse 10, any, or 9, and anyone in verse 10. Anyone can be a false teacher. I want to draw your attention to this, and I want you to see in verses 8, 9, and 10, the, there's a difference in how he talks, about, talks to the church in verse 8. In verse 8, the focus is on resisting false teaching, and he uses the pronouns you and we. Do you see that? You and we. He's talking to true believers. 
And the point is, don't lose your reward. It's not about salvation. It's about you being true believers, resisting false teaching. And don't lose rewards when you fail to resist it, when you allow it to ruin lives, destroy homes, tear up a church. Don't do that. You're going to lose rewards because that's the work of a deceiver and an antichrist. But look at verses 9 and 10. Now in 9 and 10, we're talking about rejecting false teachers. And he changes from we and you to anyone, to anyone. And he says it two times. Now, why is the change? Because here, the issue is not the loss of rewards, but, the lo- but missing out on salvation. Missing out on salvation. Anyone that does these things will miss salvation. Okay? The key point is this. Not everyone who leaves the faith necessarily leaves the church. And not everyone that leaves the faith necessarily stays away from the church. Look at what he says in verse 7. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. The only problem is when they go out into the world, they try to bring their false teaching back into the church. All right? And so he says, anyone. So here's the question. If these guys in Jude, he says, they sneak in, they creep in, they sneak in. Sometimes they sneak in the front door as visitors. You know, sometimes they sneak in uh, uh, by being hired on staff. I mean, you know, it can come from top, it can come from the bottom. But here's the point. Just like the devil, they're sneaky snakes. They never come in. No one comes in saying, hi, I'm a false teacher. Where can I teach? You know, no one comes in and says, hey, hire me. I'd like to spread a false gospel in your church. No, they look like the real thing. So how do you know who's false and who's true? Well, here's where anyone comes in. Two ways you can know. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. Anyone who goes too far and doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ. Notice it says in verse 9, Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So what's this mean? Two things. Abiding in the teaching of Christ means teaching from Christ and from his apostles. In other words, the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. So anyone, anyone, who comes and says the Bible is not directly the words of God, inspired, directed, verbal witness of God, and anyone who says that it has error, that it can't be trusted, that it's not the final authority, anyone who says that is a false teacher, at least if they're intentionally trying to do that. We'll talk a little more about that. Uh, Look in your Bibles to uh, 1 John 4, 1, or turn to 1 John chapter 4, and um, look at verse, uh, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Verses 1 through 6. Man, I'd mark these in your Bible. I'd highlight these. You're going to come back again and again, because this is a key text when it comes to uh, discerning those who do not teach the very words of Christ, the very words of his apostles, the very words that are recorded in Scripture. Notice how he begins in verse 1. Sounds very, f- very familiar to what he writes in Second John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why do we have to test spirits? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. We're going to see in a moment, that's real key. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Very similar to what we've just read. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that is coming and now is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. Now, notice what he says in verse 4, though. You are from God, little children. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than who, he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit will help you discern from truth and error. And notice how it does it. They are from the world. Therefore they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. Look, they, they say what is agreeable to the world. 
and the world likes to, enter, uh, likes to listen to them. Therefore, a lot of false teachers can gather a big crowd. You ever wonder, how can you get such a big crowd when you teach error? Because the world loves to have their ears tickled. They love to gather. But notice, those of who are from God, who are born again, who have the Spirit. Look at verse 6. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. Who's the us? The apostles who are writing the books of the Bible. It's the prophets and the apostles. And he's saying, look, the ones who are from God listen to this book. Not anyone that, that uh, teaches opposite. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of error. Uh, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, and that word error can also be spirit of deceit. How do you know if somebody's fooling you? Get your Bible open. And you know what? It's too late if you haven't been in your Bible up till then. Because you, you, can't, you, can't, you, know, you can't do a lifetime of learning in 60 seconds. I know we want to do that in this, in this day and age. We want it all fast and now. But look, daily in this book is the way that you discern. So anyone who um, does not abide in teaching that's from Christ, biblical truth. But look at the second thing. Anyone who does not abide in teaching about Christ and the gospel. So the teaching of Christ is not only from the Bible... But it's about salvation. It's about Christ. And the key here is incarnation. Are you with me? So when you're talking about the teaching from Christ, you're talking about the inspiration of the Bible. When you're talking about the teaching about Christ, you're talking about the incarnation and the man God who is the only way. You're thinking John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In other words, here's how I want you to think about it. The incarnation is like that domino that when you tip it, it's all gone. Are you with me? The incarnation is the domino. Who do you say that I am is the, G is the question Jesus asked. And the most important question you can be asking lost people and the most important question you can, talk, you can ask anyone teaching you or your kids is who do you say that Jesus is? Because if Jesus isn't fully man and fully God, run! Look at your neighbor and say, run. Run, run, run for the hills. Listen, listen, if they don't know who Jesus is, you don't want to be listening to them, okay? Now, hey, that got you excited. Good. 1 John chapter 2. Turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 18, now we get the key explanation of this truth. So it's not just teaching from Christ and His apostles, but it's teaching about Christ and the gospel. Look at 1 John 2, 18. And again, I've told you so many times, the best commentary on 2nd and 3rd John is 1 John. Okay, so first John two eighteen, children, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, the, the, the one, the, the physical human being, uh, de de demonic person in the end times, even now, many Antichrists have appeared. And from this, we know that it's the last hour. So every time he brings this up, he's saying, look, Protect the truth. Look out. Look out. They are out there. They're coming. And I'm telling you, the closer we get to the end times, the more deception comes. All right? So here's what he says. Verse 19. They went out from us, but they weren't really of us. See, they professed to be Christians. They professed the gospel. But because they didn't persevere and endure in their belief, they eventually left true teaching. They left true teachers. And they left true believers. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are, they all are not of us. So I think it's interesting. False to anyone who doesn't abide in the teaching of the Bible and anyone that doesn't abide in Bible believing and teaching churches, watch out. No matter how much they profess Christ, there's something wrong. Okay. 
Bibleist Christians is an oxymoron. Churchless Christians is an oxymoron. Okay, this is what he's saying to us. Now notice verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. Again, it's the indwelling Holy Spirit. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. So look at verse 22. Who is the liar? The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. It's a package deal. You don't want Jesus, you don't have God. You want God, you got to have Jesus. But Chris, isn't there many ways to God? No, there's one way. I am the way, the truth, the life. If you want to get to the Father, you must go through me. Okay? Audra started her internship down in the northeast section, less than 10 minutes away. We've got a whole mission field. Took our grow group down there because she's in our grow group and she's launching this internship. We spent yesterday afternoon sitting in a house on North Bales. You would never see it any different from the outside. Inside, it's a Buddhist monastery with like the only Buddhist monk in Kansas and Missouri. And we sat as through a translator. He told us there's five things you got to do to get to whatever, you know, humanless, personless, weirdness existence that's supposed to be so great. Five things. Basically, you don't even have to obey ten commandments. They got five. And as he shared, it was, it was so sad because, first of all, it had nothing to do with the person of Christ. Second of all, it's all things that I had to do. And guess what? All of us sitting in that room, including the monk, hadn't even lived up to him. In fact, our translator, who presented himself like a Buddhist follower, had to ask the monk what the five things were. It wasn't going... I, it took all my control. Not to say, you don't even know what these are. You're in trouble, buddy. Let's share the gospel with you. But here's my point. They, they, if you deny the Son, then you deny the Father. Look at verse 24. As for you, let that abide in you, remain in you, which you have heard from the beginning, the gospel. If what you heard from the beginning abides, if you keep believing the gospel, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. Listen, you can't depart from the gospel and expect to, to be saved. You can't. Yeah, but I believed it then, but I don't believe it now. Exactly. You don't believe it now. So I ask you this morning, it's not about what you used to believe. It's what you're still believing. Are you still believing that Jesus is the only way to the Father? Are you still believing that he's, the, he's fully God and fully human and no one else is like him? That he died for the sins of the world, that he rose again from the grave, that he reigns on high and he's coming again to rule and to judge? This is what we, can't, we cannot depart from. So anyone, anyone that doesn't abide in what the Bible says, first of all, and then what it says about salvation is indicates that they most likely are a false teacher. Now, in, in, go back to 2 John. We see the same twofold emphasis. Look at verse 7. We see the same emphasis teaching about Christ and the gospel. That's verse 7. Look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out, those who do not acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. Okay, so there's the idea, the teaching about Christ and the gospel. But look at verse 9. This is about teaching from Christ. This is about biblical teaching. Anyone who goes too far and doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching. Okay? Now, we're going to do something real quick here because it's just so much fun to do. Is We're going to talk a little bit about the mathematics of heretics. Are you with me? The mathematics of heretics. Because here's what heresies, uh, heretics do. They either add something to the Bible or they subtract something from the Bible or they divide the Bible up in, in ways that are, that, that are inconsistent with the truth and they multiply errors in the Bible. That's the mathematics of heretics. And you've got to think in those terms. Does that make sense? All right, so let, let's, let, let me just give you briefly. Some false teachers add 
to the Bible by literally having another Bible. How many of you are familiar with Mormonism? Mormonism, literally, you can go online, they will advertise the Book of Mormon. How do you know, how many of you know how they advertise the Book of Mormon? Anybody familiar? They literally call it another testament of Jesus Christ. Ah, danger! Danger! Warning! Do you see that? The second you hear another testament, run for the hills! Are you with me? Okay, that's a really simple one. Other false teachers and false re religions add the authority of man-made traditions or rituals or what a human leader says. So, it doesn't matter who's added. If anybody's authority or leadership or teaching is greater than the Bible, run! Run for the hills, all right? David Koresh, listen to me, I'm the prophet. Joseph Smith, listen to me, I'm the prophet. Muhammad, listen to me, I'm the prophet. The Pope, listen to me, I speak in the stead of Christ. That's adding. Are, are, are you with me? You guys are just kind of like, do you, do you understand that people are duped into this? You work with people. You work with people. Now, this doesn't make them false teachers, but they're under the influence of false teaching. And that's not your first step of evangelism. Okay? Hi. Understand you're Catholic. You're under a false teacher. I've got good news for you. Okay, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about people coming into the church trying to influence you. We'll, we'll take more on that in a minute. Some people subtract. Well, let me give you a couple instances of track. See, some people act like there's no Old Testament and you only read the New Testament. Watch out. Some people act like there's no New Testament and they just want to hang out in the Old Testament. False teachers love the Old Testament. Why? Because they can become the priest. The high priest, they can have, you know, they can justify their sacrificial rituals. Okay? So a lot of false teaching comes from an overemphasis on the Old Testament and a neglect, but it works both ways, okay? Now that's subtracting. What are some more? And there's tons of subtracting. But what about dividing? Some false teaching divides the Bible and pits it against itself. That's really popular right now. You say, look, look at what Paul says about homosexuality. But Jesus never taught against it. What did you just do to the Bible? You just pitted Jesus against Paul. Bad move. Paul's an apostle. He speaks the word. Remember, whoever doesn't listen to us, Paul speaks as Jesus Christ. Listen, every one of these letters that are written in your New Testament, that's, you know, don't fall for the red letter. Myth. I love red letter Bibles. I like seeing the words of Jesus in red. Not because they're more truthful. Are you with me? If you want to be honest, your whole Bible ought to be in red ink. Amen? So, when we pit Paul against another area where we divide the Bible and false teaching as a result, is in the role of men and women in marriage and ministry saying that uh, headship and submission and male leadership in the church, Paul taught all those things. So did Peter. But, hey, guess what? Let's pit that. Let's divide the Bible up. And let's pit Jesus against these guys. Another way that false teaching comes in is they multiply errors in the Bible. So they say, you believe that Bible? You believe that old book? Man, let me tell you about what's all wrong with it. Run for the hills. When people diminish the reliability, the clarity, and the authority of Scripture, okay? Um, and this multiplying errors, again, um, the two areas where we're really getting hit as the church, at least in the States, is on the area of homosexuality and the gender roles of women. And so what we do is they say, Paul was a good guy, but he got it wrong. That's multiplying errors in the Bible. He wasn't a good guy. He was an apostle. And he taught with the authority of Jesus Christ and its inspired scripture. And we got to struggle with it, right? Okay, same thing. Homosexuality. That was okay for back then. Paul didn't really understand. It's the, I uh, used to say the 90s. How do you say it? It's the 
the aughts? What do you say this decade? I don't know, the weird decade with zero, zero. Are you with me, Jim? Does that make sense? We're, you know, we're in a modern age. Okay, we're in a modern age, and the Bible's multiply, multiplying errors in our Bible. So, the question becomes, how do you know who is a false teacher and who is not? Anyone who goes too far and doesn't abide. They go too far by adding. They go too far by subtracting. They go too far by dividing. They go too far by multiplying and doesn't abide in the teaching about and from Christ. Now, look at verse 10. It's not just anyone who goes too far, but look at verse 10. It's anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching. Now we're... okay. Up till now, we've been talking about false teaching, right? Now we're saying when the false teaching comes to you, that's the false teacher. And anyone that brings it, watch out. Reject them. Reject them. Anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. So here's the first warning about rejecting false teachers. Anyone can be one. Let's say that together. Anyone can be one. And then look at your neighbor and say, even you. Okay? Anyone can be one, even you. And I want you all to say, even you, and say that to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want you and we want you as a church to think that way. Amen? Don't be lulled to sleep. Wake up. Get your Bible open. Read your Bible so that you can know where we're off. And all human teachers, we're not apostles around here. So we're not without error. Okay? And, 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 and we take it seriously. I invested nine years of my life getting some of the best biblical training. That, but you know what? There's guys out of my school that I went to that are heretics. So there's no guarantee here. No guarantee. You've got to stay alert. You've got to stay alert. So, here's the point. This is where the anyone comes in. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling on this because I'm telling you this is where we miss it. And this is, what he, this is where anyone comes in. The focus is not on the person but the content of their teaching. Here's the problem with false teachers. They come as angels of light. Light is good. Angels make me feel good. False teachers are often handsome and beautiful. False teachers have bling. False teachers look successful. False teachers have great personalities, at least in public, right? They're great communicators. You can just sit there and go, man, that's so good. And, and listen, I've, done, I've been the same way. You, you listen to a good communicator and you can, you can, like a half hour into it, you're like, that was so good, but it was really bad. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're like, wow, this is really good. And then you're like, why am I shaking my head up and down? I should be doing this. Okay? So here's the thing. Yes, character matters. We have the moral test, the relational test. But in the end, John is saying, focus on their teaching. If anyone goes too far and does not abide, if anyone comes to you and brings this in, I simply can't em emphasize this enough. Anyone, anyone, anyone. But he's my favorite Bible teacher on TV or online, or she's my favorite blogger. John says anyone. But it's a relative of mine, a family member, a parent, a son, a daughter, maybe even my spouse. I'm married to a false teacher. John says anyone. But it's my childhood pastor, the one who taught my parents and now my children. John says, say it with me anyone but it's a good friend of mine we went to college together we went to seminary seminary together but john says anyone but the people i trust follow his teaching and don't see anything wrong with it but john says anyone but he or she has a huge following look they have an arena but john says anyone but he, but but he or she went to the same school that my pastor goes to. My pastor's not a false teacher. But John says, anyone. 
But they have written a lot of books and they have a lot of letters behind their name. But John says, anyone. But I've met him or her in person. They were so kind, so personal, so warm. They, sound, they signed my Bible and, they, and they, they seem so much like Jesus. But John says, anyone. But listen to how gifted they are, how entertaining they are, and what a great communicator they are, and what a great writer they are. But John says, anyone. But look at how conservative they are. Look how traditional they are. Look how their ministry is so, it's so rooted in the old ways, in the old path. But John says, say it loud, anyone. anyone. Did, you get, did I make my point? It's John's point. I think this is so important because I have to struggle. Listen, as a Christian leader, I have to struggle with these things and interacting with false teaching. And the number one thing you encounter is they, people, even pastors, don't want to hear about the content. They want to focus on the person. Don't be mean to that person. Well, I'm not being mean. I'm loving them. You're wrong. That's not biblical. Are you seeing? I'm protecting the flock. Yeah, but, but he's a, you know, anyone can be a false teacher. Now, I made that point, and I hope I drove that point home. But now I've got to balance that point. Are you ready? Here's the second warning. Are you ready for the second warning? Not everyone who teaches error is a false teacher. Anyone can be one, but not everyone is one. Can we say that together? Are you awake enough this morning to say that? Anyone can be one, but not everyone is one. So turn to your neighbor now and say, you might not be one. Okay? <laughs> you know, we just told him you could be, but you might not be. I may, yeah, yeah, please tell me I may not be, okay? Okay, thank you, thank you, okay. Not everyone who teaches error is a false teacher. This is an important balance. It's an important balance, because here's the thing. I want you guys to be alert, but the last thing I want you to be, uh, and you can believe this, in seminary they'd always kid me that I had my heresy meter on, and I did. And there were guys teaching false teaching at my seminary. And I can tell you a whole story of that. I've told it several times. But here's my point. We don't want to be the type of people. There's whole blogs out there that are like, blog, they, they, all they do, they spend their whole day critiquing everybody's false teaching. And they can be useful, but there's something wrong with this when we're just like, you know, critiquing everybody, right? So, so we want to be alert, but, but not everyone who teaches error is a false teacher. Let me t so here's the things you need to do. First of all, you need to learn to discern um, the degrees of error. Learn to discern the degrees of error. And I don't have time this, uh, this morning to take you through this chart, but I did give you this chart. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe next week we'll even, maybe we'll even do this, uh, go through this, because it's really interesting, the degrees of error. There's all sorts of examples. Do you realize the Apollos, one of the greatest Bible teachers in the Bible? He knew the Bible. He had been taught well. He had learned well. He taught, and, and, and he taught others well, but he didn't know the full gospel. And so he had to be brought aside, taught, and corrected. Er, teaching error out of ignorance is not false teaching. Teaching error out of arrogance with the intent to deceive God's people and sweep them away is false teaching. Do you realize there's a time in the Bible when the Apostle Peter practiced false application of the gospel? That was an error. Uh, he let peer pressure make him a hypocrite, and he would act one way with Gentile believers, and he would act another way with Jewish believers, and it was based on uh, hip, hip, being hypocritical about the gospel. And Peter or Paul had to call him on it. And he called him on it in public. And it wasn't pleasant. But Peter wasn't a false teacher. He was just in error in application, in his behavior, in his belief. So what I want you to understand is there are degrees of error. So just because I get something wrong... 
That doesn't make me a false teacher. That just makes me a human being that needs to be corrected. And you feel free to correct Pastor Bruce and myself. We're not above being corrected, being challenged. Now, if the same person challenges us every week, what's that indicate? More than likely, the problem's with the person. And if they're the only one doing it, you got me? But when two or three people, you know, so what I'm saying is you can challenge, but understand, oh, you know what? I got that wrong. There was one time, in fact, it was your, your brother-in-law. There was one time where I said something. Uh, it's not like the only time I said something wrong, but there was, a, when I'm teaching, I don't, I teach truth. But I said something, and, uh, and, and I was challenged on it later, and I said, you know what? You're right. I overstated that. That was wrong, and I'll correct that next week. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's an error. That's not being a false teacher. Okay, in fact, as you respond to the authority of the Bible and correction, you prove you're not a false teacher. Okay, so you got to learn to discern the degrees of error. The second thing I want you to see under this that not everyone who teaches error is a false teacher. Learn to develop your understanding of gospel essentials. Learn to develop your, your, your understanding of gospel essentials and sound doctrine. In other words, not being quite sure when the rapture occurs isn't as serious of an error as denying the incarnation of Christ. Okay? Um... There's just all sorts of things like that. There's diff- Listen, we're talking about the gospel, and we're talking about the person of Christ. There's a lot. I mean, hey, you know, you guys aren't naive. There's all sorts of different beliefs that, w- that Bible-believing people have in certain areas. But when those areas affect the truth and the application of the gospel, then we have a more. So you've got to discern this. Uh, let me take you to 1 Timothy 6.3. Turn your Bibles, 1 Timothy 6.3. This is a great verse, a great verse that I think it, it, it captures what we're talking about, all right? This is a great verse to have memorized, to have marked in your Bible, to always go back to. And guess what it begins with? What, see, see, it's not just it's not just John, it's not just John. It's Paul. In fact, he I can take you several places where Paul does this. If anyone, man, I want to go through those all again. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, from him and about him, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. In other words, when people teach. That practicing homosexuals, practicing, who profess Christ, are believers in good standing. That is teaching that does not conform to godliness. Are you with me? And that's where we're headed. That's the battle. That's the battle we're headed for. Is professing Christians who are going to claim to be practiced, who are then actively practicing lesbianism, homosexuality, pedophile bestiality, it's all out there, it's all headed our way, and it's flowing, the filth is flowing in the church. We're not talking about unsafe people, we're talking about professing Christians. That's teaching that's not conforming to godliness. So, here's two things that I want to give you, and then we got to move on. Number one, just because someone disagrees with you doesn't make them a false teacher. <laughs> okay, all right. Hey, the standard of truth is not what you believe, what not what I believe. The standard of truth you learned in preschool, it's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the standard of truth. Number two, just because someone teaches something you were never taught or were always taught was wrong does not make their teaching false or them a false teacher. Hey, I never heard that. Since I've never heard that, you must be a false teacher. You've gone beyond. You're innovating. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. A lot of false teaching is presented. All of this, they don't say, hey, let's add to the Bible today. No, they say, look, they're they're innovative. They want to bring you up today. Anything that has secret and code in it, run. Okay? A lot of false teaching under codes. 
you know, the Bible code, the this code, the that code. People, when they say, I have discovered the secret, new, innovative. But listen to this. Sometimes we just haven't studied enough of the Bible. Sometimes we just don't know enough of theology that when we hear something new, we can say, wow, that's, I think you're wrong. And it's like, well, no, it's right here in the Bible. Yeah, but I was never taught that. Well, let me teach it to you. It's right here in the Bible. Okay. So, there's the two warnings. Anyone can be one, but not everyone is one. All right? Good. Man, I'm telling you what, that was worth coming today. You can take that to the bank, man. That's good stuff. Number two, three ways we as God's elect people protect one another from false teachers. Here's the first way. Resist their false teaching. I'm not going to read this. This was last two weeks ago, but this is where we start. You start with the... Con- Listen, when you hear false teaching, you resist it. And you, see, you get out your Bible, which should have already been out, and you be reading through your Bible so that you know. Because here's what happens. The more time you spend in this book, and when you're a true believer, that Holy Spirit... There is a heresy meter that we all carry within us as true believers. And it's called the Holy Spirit. And when he hears false teaching that diminishes the person and work of Jesus Christ, he protests, he warns, he grieves, and his spirit is quenched. And true believers know that. And they they sense that. And they do the same way. Man, I'm telling you. True believers can't consistently sit under false teaching and be at peace, okay? So you got to resist it. Resist the temptation to go beyond. Remain within the bounds. Rest in the truth. Resist and remain. Okay, enough on that. Number two, reject the false teacher. That's where I want to get to. Reject the false teacher. And that's verse 10. So look at verse 10. It's unbelievable how much application is packed in this verse. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive them into your house and do not give them greeting. So what are we saying here? Are we saying that when the people in the white shirts and the black ties come to your house, pretend you're not at home? Open the door, tell them Jesus is Lord, and then slam the door in their face. If you take them into your home and give them a glass of tea and discuss with them, you are promoting false... You know, what is the application? Hey, I got saved in 79 uh, through the ministry of this church. And I, and I don't know if I, if, where I picked this up. But I know back then, the, the idea was you don't let them in your house. Okay, it was that kind of application. Well, what, what's this talking about? Have you ever wondered what this verse talks about? How do you do this? How do you do it? Well, let me give you three things. There's three aspects to this kind of rejection. There's no doubt that it's talking about rejection. Am I right? Okay, so how do you do it? Three ways. Number one, refuse to accept them into the church home. The church slash home. Refuse to accept them into the church. Do not receive them into your house. Now, here's what you've got to remember. In those days, the, the line between the church and home, there was no line because churches met in homes. So the question becomes, is he really talking about your personal home or is he talking about the church gathered? Well, here's the point. A house is not a home and a building is not church. What he's talking about is don't accept false teachers into your circle of influence, whether it's the circle of influence that is the membership of Glenwood Baptist Church, or if it's the circle of influence of your family. Amen? Don't accept them in to do their teaching. This is not talking about evangelizing the lost. You know, if you, this isn't talking about evangelizing lost people who believe the wrong thing and promote the wrong thing. I've got some unsafe friends that are dear friends, long-term friends, and they do two things. They believe false religion and false error, and they promote it aggressively. But you know what? I'd have this person in my home. I'd have them eat. I, I, I interact with them. 
but I would never have them in my home to have a study on their false doctrine. I would never say, hey, go spend some time with my daughter. Pour into her life. No, 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 no. We're not talking about evangelism. We're talking about teachers who say, look, this is what I believe, and I want to teach it to others. Could I come in and set up a base of operations? So here's the application on this first point. Our pastors and leadership council of this church should guard the pulpit and teaching ministries of this church. Discovery Hour, Awana, Women's Ministry, Grow Groups, we are here to not accept or allow in the influence of false teaching anywhere in this church. Amen? That's our responsibility. But dads, single moms, parents... You have the same responsibility to guard your family, your home, from the influence of false teachers coming into your home. Which means you got to think in terms of books. you got to think in terms of blogs. you got to be thinking of cable shows, religious cable shows. you got to think about audio. you got to think about films, media, the whole gamut. The point being is there's ways to accept false teachers physically into your mind and your heart and they're never physically in your home but they're coming through social media listen i read a lot of people that even some people that teach false doctrine that's not my majority but i read them. but you know what i don't go around recommending their books you know we put a lot of quotes on our facebook page we, 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 there, there's a lot of good quotes out there, but sometimes they're by, by false teachers. And while the quote's good, I don't want to promote that on social media. I don't want our church to be associated with that. Are you with me? So it's not like you don't get exposed to this stuff, but it, you, you don't promote it. You don't give them a base of operations. Number two, refuse to assist them in their ministry. Refuse to assist them. That's really the point of accepting. Don't accept with a goal to assist. The point is not about relating to people who need Christ or or who believe in error. The point is don't assist anyone who wants to come and teach error to our church family or to your family. Here the application is straightforward. Don't give help to false teachers by giving them a platform for promoting their false teaching. Don't give to their ministries. Don't buy their books unless you have to buy them to critique them. But don't buy ten of them and hand them out. I'll never forget our poor missionary Mitch Calmies. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, Mitch Calmies there in Africa. And he said, Chris, what's going on in the U.S.? We were over there with a team in Africa and Tanzania. He said, what's going on in the U.S.? I've got church people coming over here and handing me Joel Osteen books. I said, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. Don't do that. Don't promote false teachers. Don't pr- promote false teaching. Don't, don't give that out. Number three, refuse to acknowledge them as members in God's family. It's, he says, do not give them a greeting. And here's what you got to understand about greeting. Everyone, even this letter, every one of the epistles starts with a greeting. And the greeting is uh, grace and mercy and peace and love to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. I think what he's getting at here is this greeting involves acknowledging them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the point. The point is to not relate to them as fellow believers in God's family. This application is not as straightforward because we're, we're very uncomfortable in American culture and even in Christian culture to say we shouldn't judge someone's salvation. But Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, tells us very clearly, the way you know false teachers is you've got to judge their fruit. By their fruit, you will know them. So, I'll I'll just read this line and then we'll we'll close. Do not recognize the unbelieving as believers. Listen, if someone says, I don't believe in Jesus, the worst thing you can do is tell them, well, you're still a believer because you did something back here. Listen, you need to tell people that don't believe in Jesus that you're in danger. You're in a position of danger right now. And if you do not believe any longer, then you need to, to check and see if you're truly safe. You know what? We've got a lot of people that have forsaken the faith 
that really will tell you, I'm not a believer, and we keep saying they are. It really happens a lot at funerals. The person who died would never have said they were a believer, and then we, we preach them into heaven. Listen, if you don't believe this, then I'm not going to call you a believer. There, there's no such thing as an unbelieving believer. Okay? And if you reject the Son and the Father, then you're not my brother. I'll love you. I'll encourage you. I'll debate with you. I'll try to convince you of the gospel. I will challenge you on your false belief and your false living. But I can't call you my brother in Christ. Well, there's more we can go here. Here's how you end. Remember what's at stake when it comes to false teachers and their teaching. Remember what's at stake. Oh, I have the thing down, so I won't do that. Anyway, rewards are lost. Salvation is missed. But here's what I want end with. Evil is promoted. Look at verse 11. He ends on this note, and it's just powerful. For the one who gives him a greeting. Listen, if you give acceptance assistance and you acknowledge the unbelieving as a believer you participate in his evil deeds ouch ouch you have fellowship you become a partner man are you convinced are you convinced they're out there are you do you know how to reject them resist the teaching reject them and remember what's at stake listen You don't want, and I don't want to stand before the Lord saying, I help promote false teaching. I help send people to hell because I spread, I helped to spread a false gospel. I gave people a false hope because I didn't stand up and speak out for the truth. Amen? And listen, this is a a personal, personal deal. Because we have loved ones, do we not? We have loved ones who have forsaken the faith, We have loved ones who don't believe in Christ, yet name the name of Jesus. And I'm not saying call them up this afternoon and confront them. But you know what? We need to pray. And we need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to lead us. Because people who profess but yet reject are in a different category than that last lost person out there who's ignorant and confused like we all once were and just needed to hear the gospel. Amen? Hard stuff, but good stuff. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for your word. I'd be so messed up. I'd have nothing to teach that had any value in eternity. This is hard stuff, but it's truth and love. Help us, Lord, to be alert. And yet, help us to look and to know how to relate to the false teaching. It's only going to get more. It's only going to get more confusing. It's only going to create more conflict. But we can stand true, loving in the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.